Good morning. This is uh, June the 6th and the 8th recording of A Father's Wisdom. I'd like to, first of all, give thanks to Elder Tyrone for helping me keep this program going. Even in his absence, uh, 30 days from his hometown, uh, he was able to remotely keep this part going. And this part we want to talk about uh, holding on uh, to the job, which I thought was very important that uh, one of my grandchildren to understand that uh, I was the first generation being released from uh, Jim Crow with the passage of the Civil Rights Bill and uh, many of us, uh, your grandmother and myself, on both sides of the family, were entering into a work market that we had never been exposed to before. Job opportunities were all over the country, but there was one major transition, and that was uh, blacks was entering into predominantly uh, white workforces and there was a great deal of resentment and although the civil rights bill had been passed and uh, we said happy days were ahead they were not we ran into a tremendous amount of racism and it's still there but it's an element of our society that if we are to prosper and provide a quality life for our children is something that we have to uh, deal with. And we have to do everything in our power to make sure that there's no uh, unreasonable reason to remove us from the workforce. And I talked about uh, last time about the invisible resume. And this invisible resume is things that you assume that your boss is not keeping record on. Uh, a mental record, and I have seen and been exposed to that regardless of what your resume says, what your evaluations say, there's always a third item that's brought to the table before a final decision. And uh, I've nicknamed it over the years called the invisible resume because there is no paper, there is no documentation. It is uh, someone saying their observation of you and passing it on to the person who is making the final decision for you to be uh, evaluated and making a decision whether you have the job or not. And some of those things, uh, I nicknamed it as the invisible resume that I noted over the years of me working in the federal government and private industry uh, for close to 50 years, uh, these are some of the things that they would ask. And one of those things is uh, they wanted to know, uh, was he, uh, he or she con uh, on time for work? They wanted to know, uh, they, concerned about uh, 
their dress code. This was one that I used to hear constantly. Are they sick every Monday or Friday? Uh, they want to know if um, you were involved in gossip about uh, the company you worked for before and running management down. Uh, if you spend a whole lot of time on uh, the company phone or your own personal phone doing work time. Uh, we talked about dress code before, uh, but that's very important that uh, you dress like the people that you work with. And are, there are some young men that I've talked to over the time that feel that if they... Uh, were their belt and pants down below their buttock there's nobody's business well i'm sitting and watching and seeing how quick you go up the promotional ladder to start working making those uh six figures uh one thing which is very important is being truthful uh are you a liar and if you are a liar that's going to create a uh, a problem and uh, when your back is against the wall will you do what is right are you honest those things are very important into holding on to uh, your job and that's the invisible uh, resume uh, I want to talk during this episode about the three different, four different phases that you go through, and I'm going to spend this time talking about the entry level. And I'm talking about when you first go into a new job. And I told you earlier that uh, my brother, your Uncle Reggie, had introduced this to me because uh, he had uh, gone to work in a predominantly white environment, leaving uh, a land-grant all-black college as an engineer. And this book really helped me, uh, The uh, Black Manager by uh, Floyd Dickens and Jacqueline Dickinson, uh, Make It in Corporate America. And this was the first uh, book that I had read, a scene that had been written from the perspective of blacks who had been in the predominantly white workforce and the problems and concerns they had and they had uh, been trained in social work uh, one having their master's degree that they could document this in a way where for the first time uh, we were seeing uh, that there were blacks who were successfully making it in corporate America but there was also a large number of blacks who were not making it in corporate America. And they began to document and give us uh, some ideas and suggestions how to make it. And this helped me tremendously uh, because when I first uh, entered into the entry phase of every job that I had that was with uh, uh, predominantly white. I just really felt that I was, I was crazy with the, uh, what was going on around me. I, I couldn't get my finger on it, but 
I knew that something was wrong and the interaction was not the way it should be. There is a huge transition uh, within the workplace. Uh, I'll be in the first generation after civil rights. Now I'm talking to uh, my children and you are the second generation. Uh, but when I look at the data and the statistics of where blacks are in the supervisor manager levels throughout the nation, we still have a long ways to go. When I listen to uh, blacks who have been in the workforce for many years, even myself, there we still have a ways to go. But I want to make it clear that we don't have an option. Uh, we have to master the different phases we have to go through to be f successful in order to make things uh, better. And as I said before, all of uh, my readings before were uh, from white authors and their perspective of how blacks were interacting uh, in the workforce. And uh, this wasn't a, a, a absolutely of no benefit to me because of what I was reading uh, did not have any correlation to what I was going through. Uh, one of the things that I had to work with was uh, my attitude. Uh, I had to make sure that Although I was not getting the support that I felt I should be get, getting to help build my comf uh, confidence, especially with uh, my white peers, I had to constantly talk to myself that I had to continue to have confidence that I would make it. Uh, I had the old tradition, I used to hear some of my uh, brothers and sisters would say that, uh, boy, I was lucky to get that job. And I had to get away from that because uh, when you go into the uh, corporate America that's predominantly white, uh, a lot of uh, blacks were entering and saying, I'm just thankful to have this job. And a lot of the uh, whites, they came in with a total different atmosphere of, I want to learn everything in the foundation of this corporation so I can build a career. And many of those that I've worked with had been on the job for 30, 40 years and retired with, they call it, three-legged stool. Another nickname I use, and that is retire with a 401k, a pension, and a very good savings to the point when they retired, and most of them with their 401ks and their uh, uh Pensions, uh, they didn't have to pull money out of their savings to survive. And this was totally uh, a different approach and something I had to learn. Uh, so one of the first things that I, I'm saying here, I never looked at uh, my job as luck. I look at it as hard work, and you have to look at it the same way. Uh, I, I remember, and I want to tell you this, so... When you run into it, uh, it won't be the first time. I remember uh, this one, the last job I retired off of was working for a federal agency that when I, uh, the first day I was on the job, the secretary walked up to me and said, the only reason you're here is because you are black. 
And I didn't know at the time that there had been a large number of people who had been working and was hoping to get that job when I applied for it uh, with my educational background and uh, my disability as a veteran that I had beat out a lot of people for that job and they were uh, very upset about that. But I had to quickly uh, tell them because I was uh, managing an office that was uh, predominantly white that I'm here because I'm qualified. I have graduated from college. I have served my country. Uh, I have done this work before I got here and no one is going to make me feel guilty for being here. And that set the stage for uh, things beginning to work out for me, but it was a very uh, difficult time uh, because I was entering into an area that very few blacks have entered into. And I've been talking to uh, my children and I... You, some of you are still running into uh, problems where I, I'm not going to say it's a problem, it's a culture, and a culture where your workforce is predominantly white and you have to make that transition. I'm, I just want to pass on some things that uh, I have gone through uh, that has helped me. And one of the first things I found that I don't care what position it was, if it was uh, uh, working uh, in Job Corps or if it was working as a director. Uh, most jobs I had that was reaching into a good pen, I had to uh, get ready to work with uh, a different culture. And, what, and the main thing that really created the biggest problem for me is that I was inadequately uh, prepared for uh, the reality of uh, some difficulties that I could run into. And doing that entry level, we're talking about the entry level, uh, the first six months to a year being on the job, uh, I, I was really naive about uh, racial attitudes uh, in the workplace. And it created a, a lot of stress for me. And just because the law uh, allow you to work there, there's still a lot who uh, did not want me to be there. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot that will not want you to be there also. Uh, I came in with the old Protestant uh, hard work. Uh, and I was quick to learn that uh, hard work, yes, is important, but you have to be a smart worker. And I'm going to talk about that later and making sure you're doing the things that uh, will help towards your evaluation, that will help you become a part of a team, that will help uh, you uh, be promoted after years being on the job. Uh, in the entry level is... Whenever you're promoted, uh, whatever new job you go in, uh, don't make the mistake I made of being oversatisfied uh, uh, with your job because this could backfire on you. Uh, because uh, I began to notice that uh, 
I'm thinking everything's going okay and I'm not into the loop of what's taking place to uh, be promoted and go up and people who came in with me, uh, the opposite uh, of the white uh, peers were being promoted and moved ahead uh, because again, if I uh, felt if I focus on my work, what I was assigned, uh, that would work for me. Uh, and I was, uh, it was easy for me to see that uh, I was, was not going to be easy for me to be accepted in the team. So I had to work through uh, that thing, well, I don't need any help. I have uh, been trained on other jobs before I got here. And I don't need a network, uh, and I can get these things done. That was a serious mistake. Uh, you do uh, need help from others in the group. And the uh, manuals and the training that they give you, it's going to be a good training, but I, I want to tell uh, that network training is very important. And an example of network training, I remember once the uh, senators were doing an investigation about uh, in the Navy, their jet fighters, that they noticed that the women were crashing a lot of their planes compared to the men. And they wanted to know what the difference was. And one of the differences that they found during their investigation was that when the males come back in, they had a separate uh, bar, if you want to call it, or a meeting place, and they would sit and discuss what adjustments they made the day before if the wind was blowing too hard to the left to, to make the safe landing. The women were not uh, allowed to hear this and was not a part of these conversations. Well, immediately when uh, the Congress found out about this, they changed that where the women would be allowed the opportunity to pick up the latest information to make the necessary adjustments so they could land their planes successfully on uh, the deck of the aircraft carrier. That's what I'm talking about, networking in uh, white corporations. You have got to find a way without losing your dignity or your pride or your self-worth to get into the network. That's what will let you know uh, what you should do or should not do, uh, make the necessary adjustments after you've completed your training, after you read your manuals. You have to be a part of that network to, and to not to be a part of that network is could be a serious problem. You have to set your goals. Uh, where do you want to go? You know, when I first came in an entry level, uh, I'm talking about the uh, second generation out of uh, Jim Crow. I was just glad to have a job. I had never heard, what objectives do you have on a job? Where do you want to be in the next five years in the job? And I was there for a while before I began to ask myself that question, where do I want to go in this job? I'll just think for every two weeks uh, the, I received a pay paycheck. Uh, I was unaware of uh, 
the again the racial issues that I would face and this is not information that people would would walk up and volunteer and give it to me at that time. It's something I had to deal with. I had to uh, deal with, and you're going to have to deal with also, your emotions on, on the job. Uh, uh, being black uh, was a great deal of stress working uh, in a predominantly white force workforce for me, which it may not be for you guys because you've gone to school with whites and you have grown up in white communities, but my... Uh, past was all black, uh, black culture, food, uh, clothing, work, school, playmates, everything, all the way through high school, and there was a difference. I had to make that transition in the workplace, and that, uh, that was difficult for me, but I quickly learned that uh, I had to accept my responsibility for my interaction with uh, the white employees. Everything I want to say, everything uh, in the entry level is not 100% pure uh, racism. A lot of it is the lack of understanding diversity uh, from my part and the lack of uh, having a white supervisor who had the skills or who had been trained how to work with uh, different ethnic people in the workplace. But uh, that's still going to be your responsibility to make sure that he's trained and educated on that you are important part of the workforce and you can be counted on because he will be part of the decisions and sending information in your invisible resume of whether you will get that job or not, I I deal to, I found a way of, of managing uh, white employees, and I I was very good at it. And uh, one of the things that I I think that really helped me was I learned very quickly that I had to do a lot of studying. And one of the books I like to refer to you also is. Uh, the way of the leader, and uh, this was like my Bible on my desk uh, for years of going by uh, the procedures and the codes and the things that good leaders should uh, possess, and it goes all the way back to uh, Eastern uh, philosophy uh, of, of leadership, and this helped me a tremendous amount, and if you treat each employee uh, fairly, uh, and they see that there's justice, uh, things will work out for you. And I, I received some very good evaluations on how well I could deal with my employee, but I had to learn this for myself. And uh, uh, I, my staff responded to me. Uh, I really outperformed, uh, in many cases, a lot of my uh, white peers because of uh, the leadership training that I had before I got into the job and which I continue to study in order to be uh, a good supervisor. But getting back to the entry level of the job, which I want to talk about this morning, is to uh, I had to learn to identify what the problems were 
and uh, work to solve them. Uh, it is very important that you work as a part of the of a team that you can be counted on and your peers uh, want to work with you because I promise you this will get into your invisible resume and one of the worst mistakes you can make is being arrogant uh, and what I mean by being arrogant is that uh, you can't agree with anyone, you can't get along with anyone, you got a chip on your shoulder, and you feel that you can do everything better than anybody that you uh, uh, are associated with. I promise you, this will get you in trouble. Uh, because the first thing that's going to happen is that you are going to isolate yourself from the interaction with the team that you are part of. And I'm talking about them not wanting to be around you. And then you are going to even make that worse by avoiding them because you think that you are smarter than they are. And one of the things that I have learned over the years, never underestimate the intelligence of another human being. Never give you an example. Many, many years ago, we were uh, making a preparation to uh, take a drill team into Washington, D.C. to perform at Jimmy Collins Parade, and I was the drill sergeant. That was many years ago before all you guys were born. Uh, and we were trying to figure out how to get the banner of the drill team to stay focused so the cameras could pick it up moving down Pennsylvania Avenue. And we had some of the sharpest minds on the base all the way up to the top man trying to figure it out. And one guy working in the warehouse walked out the door and he said, I know how to do it. He said, cut the end of the broom off, put a hook on the end of it, and stuck it in the, in the bottom portion of the banner which he was carrying, and it worked perfect. And the point I'm trying to say is that uh, you have to carry yourself to the point that you will be a magnet for information and new ideas. And being arrogant and knowing everything uh, and quick to uh, give your opinion and putting down everybody else's ideas is going to lead to a negative response from the people uh, to work for you. Now, when I start talking about my behavior, one of the things that I find uh, in the entry level is I, I needed a, I needed to fit in. I want to be a part of the team. To I wanted to contribute to things to the team. I wanted to do well with the team. And uh, being arrogant is one way that will create uh, problems for you. I found, uh, 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 again, that uh, myself being nice regardless of what the situation was, that could be a problem because there is a niche within that group. And I'm arrogant is too far to the left, uh, but going along with every uh, thing that's, uh, in a sense, putting you down or discriminating against you and not speaking out against it, 
that is very dangerous. You can't allow it to to uh, to happen. Uh, everybody needs support, and one of the things that uh, because there were no blacks in the job, I needed to find somebody that I could talk to, because I didn't have parents that had come up in that. As I said in the earlier uh, parts, my mother uh, cleaned the uh, house and took care of the kids of a banker in the town, and my father worked on the sawmill. So there was no intermingling about management and discussion between blacks and white. So they couldn't give me that information that I needed. I was forced in uh, the jobs that I held into uh, avoiding blacks. And I mean that by they weren't there. Uh, so I couldn't talk to them. I, it was very few. It was, it was almost like it was done uh, from a perspective of not having a lot of us on a job where uh, it meant that the only interaction I would have with uh, blacks were through black organizations outside the workplace. But I found that if, as a part of my psyche, uh, I needed to talk to other blacks to see how they were feeling, to see how they were dealing with the job, and to uh, make that necessary adjustment where I could land my uh, career safely on the uh, aircraft carrier deck and not crash and burn. And uh, if you don't learn how to get that information from other successful blacks, uh, you could crash and burn your career. Uh, and I strongly suggest that if you can be a part of other black organizations to listen to and to talk to them, not necessarily with the departments you work with, but in other, uh, I would make yourself a network of someone that you can talk to, someone you can trust, and someone that you can bounce things off of. Uh, I, I was, uh, again, uh, uh, had forced to find out things from the outside. Uh, I was concerned about job tasks, uh, and I was uh, uh, getting my tasks, uh, work of things I had to do, but one of the things that I was finding out is my white peers were more using the terms and building the objectives towards their long-term career. Uh, this is, uh, I'm at uh, 30 minutes, right at 31 minutes, uh, and I'm at the end of this part, and next week I want to talk about uh, job skills, uh, uh, working on the uh, part of becoming a legitimate member of your team, and uh, that's very important to being successful in what you are doing. And we're going to go through some other things next week. But I want to say again, I enjoyed talking to you uh, on this June uh, the 5th, 2015. And I look forward to talking to you again uh, next Saturday. Thank you and God bless you.